paraglide, para, para, paraglide. I'm just waiting for Holden to put down his switch so we can start recording this podcast. I'm not playing the switch. You're not. Okay, put down a switch, everybody. Welcome to Split Screen Gaming Podcast. Give him the rigmarole. Hey, all you people, you're listening to Split Screen Gaming Podcast, the occasional weekly podcast where three lifelong friends correspond about video games. I'm Holden DePardo. I'm Chad Michael Innes. And joining us today is going to be Jeff Goldblum. Oh, shit. No, I forgot to tell you, Jeff Goldblum is not coming today. Oh, he's not coming today? Yeah, they got some more uh, Nintendo Switch in stock at Target. He's like 604th in line. Oh, lucky him. I hope he gets one. Yeah, good luck finding a Target in a place where the population where 604 people can hang out at <laughs> one Target. That's crazy. Also, like, he would go on his own. Jeff or- Goldblum, are you waiting for a Nintendo Switch? I'm not Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> Don't talk to me. <laughs> All right, guys. It is... The weekend of the Switch release. So if you are not a Nintendo fan, you don't like Switch, you don't like Zelda, or kind of small little group, we're going to also talk about Horizon Zero Dawn today. If you're not a fan of one of those things, you should probably just get the fuck out, because that's what we're talking about today. Uh, We're going to have three, we're going to do our regular news stuff in the beginning. We're going to have three topics, Nintendo Switch, right off the bat. Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild. Oh my god, so breathy. Breath of the Wild. And uh, then we're going to round it out with a little bit of Horizon Zero Dawn after we get all that Nintendo talk under our belts. That's a burp. Uh, Right after evacuating my bowels, I'm ready for News War, where we talk about all the news from the week. Whoever has the most amount of news stories unique to that person wins. The other one loses. (laughs) Let's uh, just start with all the non-Nintendo news, because that Nintendo stuff will just feed right into the Switch. Oh, that's really I didn't what it's all about. sort mine by Nintendo or not. I, I didn't either, but I have eyes, so I'm just going to look at my news. Dodge ram it. Actually, here's some fun story. Uh, like, maybe 10% of mine are Nintendo-related. I thought it was going to be more than that. Oh, wow. I have mostly Nintendo. Actually, I don't have anything Sony at all. Hey, how many how many news stories do you have this week? Let's see. Uh, not, that, not as many as last time. One, two. Whoa! Nine. I, I have nine. 16. 16, wow. Whoa! The tables wow, have turned. Clicker. Okay, okay. So I'm, I'm probably going to win. In fact, I don't think there's a scenario where I could lose in this one. No, week. there's not. I mean, I'd have to have every single one of your stories. Uh, so I get to slap you this week. <laughs> yeah, you're going to slap me this week. I slapped you last week. Off off audio, though. I, All right. I was respectful to our audience, and there's going to be no violence on our show. Well, here's what we'll do, then. I'll start with two stories. Okay. Number one. The Bioshock movie, this one comes from IGN.com, Bioshock movie was legitimately eight weeks away from shooting before it got canned. Really? Yes. It must have been really bad. It was, uh, so this was a Gore Verbinski uh, directed adaptation. Gore Verbinski, the guy who did Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, most recently did the not very well received awful movie Cure for Wellness. I literally thought for a second you said that he directed adaptation I'm like wow that's a great movie <laughs> <laughs> adaptation yes also a great movie Nicolas Cage uh, yeah so he was basically talking about how the fact that you know movies they go through all sorts of different types of limbo before they actually end up getting made with all sorts of rights and things like that but he said this one was particularly awful because it was eight weeks before they started shooting he says it's one thing when your movie doesn't happen but when you go literally eight weeks before you start shooting it's devastating what happened just the rights? Is that, that was the only thing? Uh, there That's was, all he said? I'm sure they're not going to say because they, yeah, don't know I, they didn't say scenarios. in the article. Right now he says, I have no idea where it is now, who owns it, where it went, how much is against it. So I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe it might come back. So, yeah, Bioshock movie. 
I, we were so close to it, and we didn't even know. I don't. I, I don't like video game movies. Don't don't make video game movies. They they never work. Yeah, I kind of concur with you. It's it's one thing because a book you're adding visuals, so a comic you're adding motion and sound, and a a video game you're taking away interaction. You're taking away the thing that makes the game fun, like the the visuals and the story and all that's already there. I'm gonna make your game so fun, boy. <laughs> uh, story number two for me also comes from IGN.com. Yeah, you should just keep, keep going because <laughs> yeah, you got I a lot more I'm stuff than me. Two. I said that. No, you didn't. I did. I said, enough. I'm going to do two right off the bat. Well, you I'm said, busy, Oh, my Chad. God, I would love to. Yeah, you're busy playing the Nintendo Switch. I'm Get not off of playing it. Nintendo Switch. Zelda. I'm playing Zelda, okay? okay? Okay. In your bra. I don't have a bra. Uh, here we go. Number two. Twitch to begin selling games. So this is a, an interesting one that everyone knows in America. Of course, duh. That Amazon bought Twitch, uh, I believe it was early last year, right? Uh, Twitch now has the ability, if you are playing a game, there will be a button at the bottom of your profile that uh, links directly to the game on Amazon. And if someone buys that game through that link, the person playing it gets a cut of that sale, which is pretty interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Fun little tidbit. All right, I did two. You're up. Go. I'm uh, going to do one just because I, I have less than you. And... I thought this was uh, interesting. Uh, the I guess Phil Spencer was on some podcasts recently mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and was mm-hmm. talking. Phil Spencer, the head of Xbox. And he had this to say, and I thought this was truly telling. He said, it's going to be an interesting year for us because we don't have Gears and we don't have a Halo first-person shooter. I thought they were going to do a Halo first-person shooter, but there's no Halo 6 this year. When did Halo 5 come out? Uh... 20, that was not this 2015. Yeah, it was 2015 then. Yeah, every two years is usually that's a pretty good time for because you got to think there's another team working there on Halo unless it's just one team. It's like the Halo team, but I don't think that's the case. And what's I guess that this is news to me because they don't have any games coming out this year. Really, we talked about this last week. I think with their games getting canceled and everything, they have. They just announced they're not going to have a Halo. That's a big deal to me. Yeah. That was like, oh, at E3, they'll do Scorpio, coupled with a new Halo game coming out, and bada-bing, bada-boom, they sell a bunch of Scorpios and Halos. Hey, hold tight real quick. I'm going to make one small adjustment to your microphone. Yeah. Okay. Was the gain too high? Oh, my God. That's so much better. Uh, yeah, I was noticing it sounded kind of poor. Uh, yeah, we were we were but peeking a little bit. I'm peeking. I'm peeking. So, I thought that was, that was noteworthy. Uh... Right now, he says that they only have Crackdown 3, Save Decay 2, Sea of Thieves, and then, quote, maybe there are some things that we haven't talked about yet. You know what game looks boring as trash? What? Sea of Thieves. Yeah, the concept's really cool, but you could say that about any game. <laughs> so, I'll kinda, I guess I'll pick right back up on that. Uh, Xbox Boss explains why there was never an Xbox portable handheld. Oh, I do want to know about this. Yeah. Uh, so this was actually just a tweet from Phil Spencer. Uh, and it was in response to a person who tweeted him asking why there was never one. And his response was, our view is that phones would take almost all of the mobile gaming market mostly. Would almost all of the mobile gaming market mostly. Lots of qualifiers in there. Yeah. Uh, so that was on February 21st of 2017. That was that interesting. included the Nintendo Switch in there. With the Nintendo Switch... He also I mean, actually did say yeah. this week, too, that he would keep an eye on the Nintendo Switch and how it does. So maybe he'll see it, it does really well. Yeah. So this is, I guess, his justification why they never made one in the past is, oh, 
mobile phones are going to become a big thing. They're not as big as everyone thought they were going to be for gaming. Um, no. It's a, it's a different platform, different use case for games, everything. Yeah. Obviously, in a tweet, 140 characters, he never he did not explain, oh, man, we were wrong in that thought, and we should have made one. He didn't or, they take a, a, write a note and take a screenshot of it and post it to, uh, to Twitter. Yeah. He didn't do a long-winded spiel about it. So creative. So creative. Oh, no, they, people do that on Twitter. I know. I see it all the time. Yeah. It's not creative. <laughs> okay. I thought you're you were up. trying to say it was creative. All right. Uh, so a new Star Wars game has been teased for uh, Star Wars Celebration. Ooh, tease me, Holden. Tell me. Tell e- me all it's about it. It's EA's game. EA So it's going to be an EA game, which means it could be the Amy Hennig game. That's right. Which is the one I really want to see. They could be talking about Star Wars Battlefront 2. I hope they're not. Who the hell is Amy Hennig? Uh, Amy Hennig is the writer of Uncharted. Mm. She's, I guess she's the one, creator. One, two, and three. One, two, and three. Oh, that's right. She didn't do four. Because right. Why did she leave? She left, right? Didn't she? Uh, yeah, she left kind of in the whole hustle and bustle of when four kind of underwent all those changes. Uh, she left and went to work on this action-adventure third-person Star Wars game. So I'm very excited to see what this is. I think there's a lot of hype around it. And I think it's about time they talked about it more. They showed something last E3. It was literally an eight-second clip of gameplay, and it was really cool-looking. Yeah. it was Third-person game on Tatooine. Uh, I'm assuming it doesn't just only take place in Tatooine, at least. And there was a giant Death Star, like, in the sky and kind of in the, in the distance. Mm-hmm. It was just really – it was kind of epic-looking. So we'll see what happens with that. But I thought that was, that was going to be fun, something to look forward to there. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to take it back to Xbox for a second. This is something that I'm not too excited about. There are more than 1,000 games under development from ID at Xbox. Wait, 1,000? 1,000 games under development um, uh, from ID at Xbox. So ID at Xbox is the indie developer yeah. wing of Xbox where I want to develop a game and I want to put it out on Xbox without having to have a huge publisher and things like that. First of all, 1,000 games on any platform is absurd. Yes, let alone that it's like a thousand games that are currently being and, and, worked and on. To clarify, these are not indie developers working in their mom's basement or at home or something like that, sending their games to Microsoft to be on the platform exclusively. This is at Microsoft. No, 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 no. Well, just, what is the indie development thing? The yeah. idea at Xbox is the yeah. the the program that you enroll in in order okay. to publish your game yeah. without a huge publisher. So you you do it okay. you self publish basically using the idea at Xbox. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of like this is a whole other topic for another day, but it's kind of the, the dilution of these digital game fronts uh, like the iOS App Store and the PSN mm-hmm. and and Xbox Live like and Steam. Like all of these storefronts where it's now – there's so much stuff on there. So much of it is trash that it's hard to find what's totally. good. Well, Steam is having that lost. issue right now. I think like uh, it used to be there was only like – Hundred or so games added each year. Now it's like, I think what forty percent of all of Steam was added last year, yeah, or something and something like that. I don't know the actual number, but it's insane. It's insane. So who knows? You know, of course, of these thousand games, not all of them are actually going to finish or come to fruition or end up being published on Xbox. But that is insane that there are a thousand games currently in development. Those are just indie games. Not kind of I guess, from the perspective, game systems don't usually have that many games. Right. Period. Yeah. A game library for a console is usually well shy, way shy of a thousand games. Yeah. That's going to start changing, though. That's just the way things are, are heading. Yeah. That's, un- I guess, unfortunate. 
Amy Henning, Amy heading, Amy heading for a different direction. See that transition there? Ooh. You're up. <laughs> that was terrible. Oh, I thought you were about to say another story about her. I'm like, ooh, no, what is this I other story? story? You should have done that story after justified mine. what I just did. <laughs> um, so this is um, Borderlands 3 by Gearbox. Mm, love me some Borderlands. It's coming out eventually. They said Borderlands 3 is coming out eventually. But they showed a tech demo mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. GDC showing off some of their uh, their new uh, uh, kind of, I guess, is their new engine they're working on for the game. Did you watch it? Uh, I did not watch it. I saw a screenshot, and I read a headline. So that's how America works, and that's how I work. I read a headline, and that's it. So are you trying to avoid spoilers on this? or uh, No, I'm not. Okay. it. You should watch it because it's basically just – it's there's no thing, nothing spo- like story-related at all. It's literally just like, look at this ball. Look at what we can do with this ball. It looks like it's made of water now. It looks like it's you know solid. Look at the light reflect off of it. And one thing they talked about in particular was how they're going to take that Borderlands style – that very like, cartoon kind of like uh, very bold lines over everything. The cell shaded. The cell shaded. Yeah. How they're going to? I guess cartoon is the wrong word. Cell shaded is better. Yeah. Cartoon cartoons. It looks really impressive. Do you with remember the, what Dexter's doing. Laboratory? Very vaguely, yes. Oh my gosh, Dexter's Laboratory was so cool. I only I didn't watch like Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon Disney Dial as a kid. M for monkey. Oh gosh. Okay. Sorry. I don't remember any of that stuff. Sorry. We'll continue. <laughs> <laughs> Tangent. So yeah, I guess they just they did a tech demo. They showed it off. Yeah, is out of nowhere. No one knew this was coming. Everyone knew they were working on Borderlands. Well, 3, no, but they're not working knew on Bo- that This was going to be revealed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think. Well, I think they had already said they were making Borderlands Three, yeah, or was heavily assumed they they were going to. Yeah. Well, they yeah. they posted a job listing like a year and a half ago, looking for Borderlands Three people. That's a way to announce a game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. I'm next. This one is close to my heart. Farpoint and the PlayStation VR aim controller launch on May 16th. So if you're one of those lucky almost 1 million owners of a PlayStation VR, uh, if you have not heard of Farpoint, I would definitely recommend watching a trailer of it. It is a fantastic-looking game. It's a first-person shooter uh, taking place in space, which is awesome, on different planets. Um, but the the VR aim controller is something that's being developed for this game. And then Sony is trying to make it work with a bunch of other titles. So they're hopefully hoping to use this controller in a bunch of other titles. Hmm. And what I love about this controller is... You don't hear is, that often. Like, we're making hardware for this game specifically. Right. And it's so great. Let's send right. it out. I guess it's kind of... If, if there was an equivalent, maybe it would be like the Wii balance board. <laughs> we made it for Wii Fit. But you can also use it for skateboarding games. Yeah, I was going to say Tony, Tony Hawk, Hawk Pro Skater featuring yeah. the Wii Fit board. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but what I love about this controller is that aside from what you would usually see in things like this where it's a plastic shell that you put in your move controller, it itself has all the technology built into it. It has a separate controller part on the front. It has the move ball on the front. It has the accelerometers and things like that built into the controller itself so that it makes it a really great hmm. feeling experience, which is awesome. Uh, and that's coming soon, May 16th. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I'll do one more since yeah, I have it more. up in front of my face. My face news. I'm ready, but you can keep going. Face news. I'll play Switch right now. I'll play okay. Zelda while you're, while you're Gosh, finding this new story. Darn it. Gosh, darn I need to climb this mountain this thing portable. Holden's never going to do anything again for the nope. rest of his life. I'm going to quit work. <laughs> uh, kind of sticking with the PlayStation news. Here's another one from GameSpot.com. Uh, PSN is going to start letting you choose which games go on sale, which is pretty cool. They've done this in the past with you get to choose which games are part of the free with PlayStation Plus for the month. Uh, but last week, you got to choose between Final Fantasy 15 and Assassin's Creed, the Ezio collection. 
Uh, Final you, Fantasy 15 for sure. You, bas- you basically get to vote which one you would like to go on sale for a flash that's sale a, that weekend. That's a cool idea. Yeah, so it was half off on the Ezio collection, collection or 40% off on Final Fantasy 15. Um, so yeah, that's live. You should be able to vote on the PSN. So if you are a PlayStation Network subscriber, or you don't have to be a subscriber. If you own that and you buy the games and do the things, then you go on the sites and then and that happens and then you're happy. So buy things. I'm sorry, I had a stroke. You're up. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to bring it back to Xbox again. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Xbox yeah, yeah. Pass. Yeah, Xbox Game Pass. We I finally have one that we overlapped with. I like this. I think this is an awesome idea. Tell Essentially, me the idea is that there will be a... And this is one thing I'm a little hazy in the details on, but and I don't know if they've confirmed this yet, but basically it sounds like you're going to have like a monthly subscription to games, and there will be a selection of games for that month that you can download, but you can only play them while they're on that service. Correct. And it was going to be 100 games yeah. at any given time. Now, does that mean 100 new games a month? Like it's changing every month? Or is it like we're going to take Halo out this month and we'll bring it back later on? That's what it sounds like. From it what seems I like understand, yes. It's going to be kind of that Netflix model where you have this large ocean of things to play. And then every month, a couple of new things will come in. A couple of things will leave. I like that because, A, I mean, for Microsoft's exclusive games, they'll probably, like, and not exclusive games, but like their studios games. Those will probably mm-hmm. just be there. Well. the service. In the same way that Netflix is not going to take House of Cards off temporarily. Right. Right. I, I have a feeling for this subscription pass, they'll have a couple. Like, they've confirmed Halo 5 Guardians will be of it. Will be a part of it. But I don't think they're going to put all of their... Well, like, when whenever... Uh, they said they're not going to release Halo 6. But whenever Halo 6 comes out, that's not going to be on Game Pass immediately. Exactly. But, exactly. like, what I'm talking about is that once a Microsoft game has gotten there, I would hope it would stay there. And that's a cool proposition for, yeah. for people. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, it's a really great idea, and I love seeing the game industry try new things. And this is kind of an offshoot of uh, EA Origin Pass or uh, mm-hmm. Origin, whatever it is. It's it's yeah. an Xbox exclusive service, but yeah, uh, well, it's the same thing, but with EA games instead, and you get early access, which is another part that's not part of the Game Pass. But I, I think I like this because one thing I don't like about PS Now is it, it's streaming down. So some games inherently aren't going to work that well. I don't play fighting games. I don't play racing games. But hold in for the people. Let's draw this parallel. So people are calling this Microsoft's solution to PlayStation Now, which yeah. is a game streaming service where you stream PlayStation 3 yeah. games over your internet connection on PlayStation 4 or your PC. Yes. So the streaming aspect of PlayStation Now doesn't like some games I've played, it, it causes delays in controls, very much like Super Mario World last week for us. Woof. Go Woof. listen to episode one. So the downloading side is going to really make that work a lot better, I think. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I don't even think. Obviously, it will make that a lot better. So I think it, that's a better idea, and I hope PlayStation takes that because I don't have an Xbox, and I would want that service. Yeah. Would that, do you think this is going to be like a, a seller for them? I, like to sell I think systems? it's going to be... I think it's going to be, honestly, something like the EA Pass or PlayStation Now, where it's not going to get a whole lot of press because they would rather people buy it at 60 bucks. Mm-hmm. But it is going to be a cool option that's out there that if people want to experiment and try that kind of thing, but they how can. how much are they going to take this away? Like, I, I imagine if you go to Halo 5 in the Xbox store, it will say, buy now or play with Xbox Pass. I guess we'll see. So we'll find out. Yeah, it's, it's a great prospect to... Be like, oh man, I've got friends over. What can we play? 
oh, I could pay 10 bucks and we can take a look at playing any of these 100 games. Well, you have cool. to download them, though. So it'd be like, let's figure out what we want to play tomorrow. Oh, yes, <laughs> you do have to download them. Uh, one other cool little thing about it is that any of the games in that are currently part of the Game Pass, uh, while you're a subscriber, you get 20% off of them if you choose to download them. So like, if I'm playing Halo 5 Guardians and I know that I don't want the pass anymore, but I would like Halo 5 Guardians to continue. Mm-hmm. I can get a discount on that to, to buy it. Uh, and my save file, regardless of whether or not I have that game or access to that game, will always remain as well. Yeah, You're fun up. stuff. Super fun stuff. <laughs> you are up, Chad. Oh, man. Sticking with that good old Xbox. Uh, Xbox boss from IGN.com. Xbox boss Phil Spencer. Phil Spencer's been chatting a bunch this week. He has. Taking uh, away that Switch uh, limelight. Yeah, he uh, he hints that there will be an Xbox Scorpio event ahead of E3. Yes. Yeah, so I he... So. Uh, the quote itself was, doing everything at E3 would be difficult. So he would love to be able to have uh, a reveal of the actual hardware and the box itself so that they could focus more on games. And I think one of the things in here was talking about how... Uh, they liked being on stage at E3 and talking games, 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 and this is what's coming to it, rather than having to talk hardware specs and how this will work, things like that. I will point out, that is what they did with the Xbox One originally, and that backfired pretty bad. That's true. That's true. People saw the system and said, wait, what games are there for it, though? <laughs> exactly. So, but you can watch TV and sports. Did you ever see the supercut of, like, every time they mention TV or sports? No, I have I'm sure oh, it's you should watch it. Though. It's just, like, this this long video of them going, sports, sports, ESPN, Xbox, TV, TV, sports. I, I remember watching that event, and they didn't even show a video game until, I don't know, like, halfway or towards the end? Yeah. And it was, even then, it was, like, Call of Duty of course it was Call of Duty. Of course. And they don't even have the exclusive on that game for all their... Did you know that a horse is content. a horse? A horse is a horse. Of course, of course. Unless that horse is a talking horse. And then he's Mr. Ed, and then he's dead. R.I.P. Mr. Ed. Hey, I got, Holden, what are we going to talk about next? I got one more non-Nintendo uh, story. One more share. non-Nintendo? I have one, two, three more non-Nintendo stories. So why don't you share some more, and then I'll... All right. Uh, this is why I know I'm not going to win the war, so... God, I can't wait to slap you. I think, like, I'm gonna take a day to think about the best way to slap you. Like, do I, do I wet my hand in a bucket of chlorine (laughs) and ammonia so it leaves a mark that burns in on your skin so the rest of the world knows I beat you? Do I backhand you covered in ketchup so that you're gonna smell like ketchup for the next 24 hours no matter how much you wash your skin? I was gonna say, please make it quick, whatever you do. But with that one, don't do that one. Oh man, I think I'm gonna backhand you with ketchup on my hand, and it'll be worth having my hand smell like ketchup because your face will smell like ketchup. <laughs> okay, hey you guys, do you play Destiny? Do you love all the stuff you got in Destiny? Say goodbye to all that stuff you got in Destiny. Destiny Two does not allow you to bring any of your weapons, skills, power-ups, etc., over to Destiny Two. Uh, but it does allow you to bring the aesthetics of your character. So if you really grew attached to your blue skin, your pointy head, your cool clothes, those transfer over to Destiny 2. And I know that right off the bat I made that sound bad, but I'm actually kind of in favor of this. No, because it levels the playing field. Nothing is worse than going into a game and everyone's already better than you. Right. 
It so, sucks uh, for people who've been playing that game forever, but it's not just about them. Yeah, so it allows it's you about to making more money. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> Levels of playing field, and uh, this is also you have to. Oh yeah, you guys hear that? Well, hold on, I'm gonna pour this over the microphone. <laughs> oh god, your mouth gets really dry when you podcast. And you talk this podcast on. brought to you by water. We're brought to you by Aguas Frescas, La República Dominicana, Asunción, Paraguay, Escuela Mañana. <laughs> I uh, dabbled in college in Spanish, so. I'm just gonna drink this really quickly on on air. Oh, mm. okay. What Destiny were you talking two. about? You're talking about so Destiny distracting. Two. Okay. You get to bring all this stuff over if you finished the main Destiny thing. Did the nobody knows what the story was, so I don't remember the boss or the end of that story. You did the first thing at the end of the goddamn game, where you beat something in a black garden. Uh, as long as you did the black garden and you got to level twenty. You get to bring your guardian over. Uh, but again, I leaving did, all your so weapons and stuff behind. But! That works for me. Oh my god, I ported my character over to Destiny 2! Don't worry, all your shit still works in Destiny 1. Dun, dun, dun! So if they're talking... So is that official they, they announced that? Like Bungie did? Yes, that was okay. an event from... Uh, they announced the last event that will take place as Destiny... Uh, the expansion in Destiny 1, and then talked about Destiny 2 coming. Yeah, it's for sure coming out this year, then. They're not going to say that. Oh, yeah, that. they've confirmed it multiple times. They've not, We have not seen anything, though. So, I mean, how many times did Nintendo confirm Zelda's coming out in 2015? <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Nintendo's coming later. Uh, I will talk about Nintendo as much as I want, Chad. I'm going to do one more, then you're going to do one more. Mm-hmm. And I get to tell you that you're going to do one more because I'm the boss. Because I get to slap you with ketchup. Uh, and then I'll do one more, and then we'll do some more. Here we go. Are you a fan of VR? Do you like hooking stuff up to really expensive PCs, but you want to spend less on your VR hat? Well, good news, because the Oculus Rift and Touch Bundle gets a price cut. So it's a $200 if you... So Oculus VR is the less expensive of the two PC options, Oculus and Vive. Uh, and it used to sell for $600 just for the hat, and then you had to buy the PC. And then the Touch controllers came out, and they were a lot more expensive as well. But now you can buy... The Oculus Rift itself and the touch controllers, which I have heard are just like stellar. The controllers are yeah, like I the absolute really perfect good. way to play VR. Uh, for 598 US dollars. So about the same price? Exactly. Yeah, for the same price, you used to buy the hat. Now you get the hat and the sticks. That's how it should be, though. Yeah. Why would you buy them separately? They're kind of, they kind of belong together. Yeah. Also, the standalone controllers are now just 99 bucks as well. Compared to what they used to be, which two hundred question mark? I assume so. I don't know. Wow, assume see on Paraguay. Uh, so yeah, that's really exciting. I'm glad that that makes VR a, li- a little bit more accessible to those people who are PC gamers uh, who have oodles of dinero. Gosh, I'm so good at Spanish. <laughs> the next episode will actually be entirely in Spanish. On Chad's end. I Hola, to be Telemundo taking... split screen. <laughs> Is my turn? Yeah. All right. It's your turn. I thought this was interesting. It's... Tell me about it. No Man's Sky he- uh, developer, Hello Games. Oh, yeah. They announced uh, something called Hello Labs, which is where they're going to help fund experimental indie projects. You're going to have to talk in your microphone and say that oh. again. Um, how, from where should I be? Starting over again? Where, start at the word experimental. Oh, they're going to be working on experimental indie projects. I told you to start at the word experimental. Start at the word experimental. I know, I don't do that. I don't follow directions. You're not my boss. You oh said you're my, my boss. You're not my boss. Oh, my God. Give me that switch. Let me play some Zelda. 
<laughs> I really want to see what Hello Games can do. I didn't hate No Man's Sky as much as most people did. I totally see its faults. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot you liked that game. I did like that game. It did what I wanted it to do. I can fly from one planet to the other planet. <laughs> <laughs> It was great. That's that's all you wanted to do. You didn't want to explore these planets. You just wanted to fly from a planet to a planet. Pretty much, actually. I'd <laughs> rather do that. Uh, no, that game was uh, was a game, and they are helping other games who want to make games similar to their games with procedurally generated well, stuff. I, I want to give No Man's Sky credit for, and actually, they won the Innovation Award at they GDC. Did. Which is more news. I don't know if I just took that from you, but I'm, I'm taking that. That's mine That now. was not mine. Well, good. Well, I got, great, it's yours. You I got one, one more soldier against your entire... It's like Helm's Deep, like the orcs <laughs> versus everyone else, and uh, Chad won. He's the orcs, 10,000. Yeah. Actually, no. Uh, you obviously lost. did not watch the Battle of Helm's well, Deep. Well, 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 to clarify, they only won because Gandalf and some other people came in to save the day. If it was just the orcs there and the humans... The Excuse humans me, you're taking out. away credit from that beautiful woman that killed that Nazgul. That was in the third movie. Oh, you're right. That was Gondor, wasn't it? So were you just giving me crap earlier for not hey, knowing? What the Lord hell the is your video game news? <laughs> Go. So, no, I guess my, my point I'm making with, with uh, the innovation award that they, they got, they it was a interesting game and in what it was able to do on a back-end way. Not from a gameplay experience way, but like mm-hmm, the world mm-hmm. they were able to create, even though it was pretty barren, was vast and and the way it was procedurally generated means I was always seeing different things all the time, depending on how much I traveled between yeah. different planets. But if you were on one planet, it was pretty much that the entire time. Yeah. So I want to see what kind of projects they they fund because it'll probably be unique things like that that might trickle into other games later on. Yeah, I think specifically that they like the said goal. that the grants and the things that they're funding are going to be for games that use procedurally generated material, yeah. like they had in their their space galaxy universe area, mm-hmm. or they do take risks similar to that. Yes, so I'm always up for more risk taking and seeing what me too, what some independent minds can do. So I'm all for that. And that is the last of my non-Nintendo stories. I have more stories, but that's the last of my right. non-Nintendo. I got one more non-Nintendo. Uh, this one I really, really love. Nonprofit group The Video Game History Foundation today launched a crowdfunding, and by today I mean whenever this article was written, February 27th, <laughs> launched a crowdfunding campaign to help support its overarching goal to preserve the history of the video game industry. As detailed on its Patreon page, it explains that it's dedicated to figuring out how to save as much video game history as we can and to make it accessible to everyone. Our goal is to make sure that storytellers have what they need to be able to tell the story of their video games, and we're already working through a tremendous backlog of incredible material. Uh, so this is headed up by some pretty awesome people. Frank Cafaldi, who worked on previous games such as uh, Mega Man Legacy Collection, uh, um, <clears throat> basically I really love the fact that this is taking old games preserving them kind of like we do in the library congress with movies and things like that important things lost things and preserving them so that they aren't lost to time we aren't like a system breaks down and we're no longer ever able to play that or the code for this game gets lost and suddenly no one ever is able to remember this or go back and reference it for a historian's sake things like that Mm -hmm. so yeah pretty cool there are movies that no one will ever be able to see anymore because the the film strip is gone. Uh, yeah, like uh, Pixels. 
Because everyone burned every copy of that movie. Oh, it was terrible. <laughs> that's right. So Adam Sandler, it. Kevin James, right? Uh, it was like the Pac-Man movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to be upset about that one, though. So it's pretty, pretty awesome. That is good. That is good. All right, you guys. We're going to take a little transition here and work our way to Switch Town. So this is kind of, we're going to talk some Nintendo news. Most of it is Switch-related, if not all of it. Uh, and we're just kind of rolling this into our next segment, which will just be a discussion about Nintendo Switch. Uh, to give you an idea, Holden got his Nintendo Switch on Frytog. Mm-hmm. That is European Spanish for <laughs> Friday. Uh, and he's been playing it literally nonstop. Literally nonstop. It's uh, unhealthy. <laughs> you should see him right now. He looks absolutely horrid. Uh, and then I've had an experience today with a Switch for about three, four hours playing some Zelda. We played some Snipper Clips and a Chipotle. Follow <laughs> us on Instagram to see that at Split Screen GP on Instagram. I played some Zelda at Ch- Chipotle as well. Oh yeah, he played some Zelda at Chipotle. Follow us on and Facebook. everyone gathered around. And was like, ooh, what's that? The no, there were a bunch of babies. There were a bunch of babies. There's a lot of babies. And there was cheese all over the floor. <laughs> Did you see the table we went to go? So I had to yeah. clear off like four pounds of cheese off of this t- yeah. this chair. Do people not know how to clean off tables? I don't know. There's also a little baby with his pants all the way down around his ankles peeing at the urinal when I went to the bathroom. That poor kid. That was me. <laughs> that was me up until ninth grade. <laughs> so I'm going to start with some bad news. Oh, tell me some bad news, Holden. Friends codes are still a for Bob. Friends codes, friend friends codes, codes, friends codes, friend codes. Are you a friend? Do you like codes? <laughs> Type in your numbers and get some friends too, because friend codes are still a thing here on Redeem Nintendo Redeem your Swatch. friends on Amazon.com. <laughs> Would you like some swatches with some Nintendo's? Nintendo swatch on go, go get sales. Friend codes are returning with the Nintendo Switch temporarily, I guess, but to catch people up friend codes was this awful method of adding a friend to your online profile on your nintendo account where you essentially get this like 16 character jumble of letters and numbers that were <laughs> unique to you and you would share that with someone else to become their friend basically your username was like lx42785 like just yeah a bunch of numbers it was awful and that's coming back temporarily, even though they have promised that it is not coming back. They said there will be some newer options in the future by adding people via social networks. But that's not the only one there, I will say. In my time with the Switch, there is a method of adding friends with uh, users that are local and right next to you. Right. Which I do like that. I think that's a really good way of mitigating the whole uh, talking to strangers online thing that Nintendo seems to be afraid sure. of. And uh, apparently there are also ways to do it where people you have played with previously, you can add them in. Yeah, I got one friend request. And here's it's not just on your Switch. I got a friend request from someone I played with previously who I had played with on my my 3DS. Oh, crap. It's like your Nintendo account is finally starting to unify their whole ecosystem. Right. That's great. I love it. They still have some work to do, though. Like having an online account (laughs) to use. (laughs) Yes. That'll come soon, though. I think it's coming at the end of the month. Which yeah. is fine, because there's literally nothing to play right now that that you need an online account for. That's true, unless you're playing, like, Bomberman. Fast RMX, I take that back. Fast RMX, I would like some online play or with. Or Bomberman. Don't forget the Bombers. I've never played Bomberman Bomber, before. Bomber, Bomber. You've never played a Bomberman game? No. They're generally, like, it's, it's not a complex game. You place some bombs, they explode in some ways, and you try not to get hurt by the bombs. Uh, but it's, it's fun for a minute or two. Mm-hmm. By the way, uh, I got a text from Jeff Goldblum, uh, and uh, he didn't get the switch. Yeah, thanks for not texting me, Jeff. I thought we were best friends. 
Lifetime friends. Uh, yeah, friend code's still a thing. Deleting that off my list. <laughs> uh, here's another kind of bad one. Uh, Nintendo Switch cartridges taste really, really bad. No, so <laughs> I, so I, dang uh, it, I was hoping to eat this on top of some garlic bread. I pulled an American and I saw that headline and I didn't read it. Yeah, and I thought to myself, it's so kids don't eat them. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's exactly the reason it why. Is. No, I was kidding. This that's a, a very good reason it's for okay. kids and pets to make sure that when they eat it, it's incredibly bitter. Oh my gosh, wait, let's, let's try this. I have a Switch cartridge with me right oh now. Oh my gosh. So first okay. of all, they're very tiny cartridges, so yeah. they are easily digestible. I'm gonna put my down. Talk for a second. So, um, you could easily take one of these and, like, as you're putting it into your Switch, if you yawn a little bit too hard and go <gasps> and inhale. Switch cartridge caught in the back of your throat, dangling from your uvula. And then, of course, you cough. <coughs> goes down into your esophagus. But it's okay because it tastes really bad, so you can now poop it out. Do you actually have a switch? Oh, that's right. You always keep... So, little tweak... Tweak. Not tweak. Little tick about Holden. All of his Nintendo systems, he buys one game for to keep in the slot. Because he doesn't like having an empty game card slot. This is This is true. He had one for his Nintendo 3DS. He has one for his Nintendo Switch. It, it goes further than that, though. It is always whatever Zelda game I get with the system. Oh. That's more specifically what it is. Do you also buy the Zelda game digitally? Oh, God, I can't wait for you to eat this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it tastes so bad. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Part of the story that I didn't get into yet is that that taste will remain in your mouth for hours. Really? <laughs> regardless of what you eat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I'm very glad you did that, and I'm very glad I didn't tell you. Oh, my gosh. Do you want to try it? No, I don't want to try that it. That is awful. That is really bad. Oh I definitely God. would not, as a kid, be like, I'm going to eat that. Yeah. Good. Yeah, if there was some fuzziness on the mic, I don't know what was going on. Oh, my God. That's terrible. It's actually kind of going away a little I'm bit. I'm glad you ate it. It's still there a little bit, but it's not... It's overwhelming when you put it in your mouth the first time. I will say it's <laughs> overwhelmingly bad. If you could compare it to a food that you've eaten or a substance it, that you've eaten. It is, is no earth-like substance. <laughs> it is, that is terrible. I really want you to try this to see if you can narrow down what this is because no, I don't know what this is. I don't know what it tastes not. like. Absolutely right. not. And to think that I saved Zelda to do this while I was paragliding. and I don't know if I'm paragliding when I get back. Mm. I might para, have lost my progress. Para, paraglide. So. Right. Oh, what did you just say? Oh, I said it. Data. Nope. Cartridges. Bad. Tasty. Deleted. Okay. Ugh, that was disgusting. These don't taste good. All I'm right. gonna hide a switch cartridge like in a bag of potato chips. <laughs> <laughs> have you eaten it? I have a small story. This is super small. Okay. Uh, there's a uh, a um a little Easter egg. Oh, in okay. the Nintendo Switch Pro Controller, and okay. when you look inside the joystick, it says "Thanks to all game fans." It's like when you look inside the game stick, game joystick, and you pull the right joystick down all the oh. way inside. It says "Thanks to all game fans." That is so cute. Very cute. Very Nintendo. You get it, Nintendo. You get it, Nintendo. All pro Thanks gamers. Thanks to all game fans for paying $70 for this controller. Was it yeah. 70 or $70. 80 $70. Seventy $70. Only 10 bucks more than a PlayStation 4 One, and it has NFC built okay. into it. Okay, okay, Not that okay, bad. Okay, I didn't... My That's statement was completely objective. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I, I thought you, you were attacking me. <laughs> um, here we go. Okay, so this is actually something that kind of worries me a little bit. It seems innocuous, but... 
Uh, some Switch games are touchscreen only. What does that mean? It means that the Switch has been advertising. There are so many different ways you can play the Nintendo Switch. You can use it with Joy-Con grip. You can use it with the two Joy-Cons separately. You can use it in docked mode. You can use it in kickstand mode, portable mode, handheld mode, up to I have to interrupt mode, for a second. do it on the toilet mode. I have to interrupt for a second. I just took a drink of water, and that taste is now in the water. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I sip something, it's going to taste like that. For the rest of the night, you will not be able to taste anything but that taste. I'll, I'll try this one more time. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's drinking out of the Slytherin cup. And he's right, It was thinking. a little bit better that time. Okay, but okay. this is... All right, all right. Keep going. I'm sorry. I just had to share that. So, so this means some games are touchscreen only. Which means that they are not able to be played in docked mode on your TV. Which seems totally fine. It's like, I get it. Some games just need the touchscreen. But I what, I, what worries me is that this could lead to a future of, uh, of kind of making things exclusive to one play mode. And that was one of the things during the, the reveal. They keep saying, this, you can play this game in handheld mode, kickstand mode, docked mode. And I was like... That kind of worries me. But what I really, really am afraid of, aside from being isolated to one mode, is I'm afraid that this is going to lead to developers realizing, oh, we can exclude a couple of these modes. <laughs> we can get more out of this system if it's in docked mode. Therefore, I'm just going to make my game run exclusively on the docked mode. And then people get like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to turn. I can get so much more power well, while it's docked. And then I, suddenly I, that defeats the purpose of the Switch and nothing's portable anymore. I wouldn't be surprised that happened because there is a rumor. I can't remember when it came out, but that there's going to be a dock that had processing power inside of it. Yeah. So you could dock it in and get more power, which might put it on the level of something like a PlayStation 4 or Xbox One. Yeah. So I think it'd be a smart move for Nintendo because if you want to, you can buy this special dock. And then these games open up to you. Uh, a Dock Pro, a Switch Dock a, Pro. A Switch Dock Pro. I actually like that idea on the side of the docked games being more powerful. It kind of sucks that you won't be able to take that game on the go with you. That is the whole point of the system. But I feel like by getting a Call of Duty or a game that like you'd really only be playing at home anyway. Because you want to play the multiplayer. Yeah. It might work out pretty well by getting an audience to Nintendo that wouldn't normally be there that wants to play those games and Zelda. Or I don't Mario. know, man. I'm just I'm just worried that this is gonna start an avalanche of everyone just like, oh great, we can all just go back to making games the regular way, and we can just say screw whatever convention that, or whatever new innovation that Nintendo has made, just like they kind of abandoned the gamepad. Like, oh great, there's this brand brand new thing about the Wii U, and then everyone's just like, no, we'll just make regular games. I, I guess I'm just not as concerned about that as you are. I don't think it won't happen. You're not worried about this whole thing like, oh, you can take your Switch on the go. That's the point of this system is you can play it at home or on the go. And there are like, some games I wouldn't want to play on the go, though. Okay. Well, I'm personally worried about it, so... You don't even have a Switch. You can't talk about Shut it. Shut your no mouth. No more Nintendo stories from you. I did say I was going to get one sooner than I thought, which is like holiday this year, probably. I can't I wait to get more games. You're going to like it. I just need more games. Uh, go Holden. I know you have lots of Nintendo, goddamn, because you're a Nintendo succubus. Oh, I love Nintendo. So, um, I have. Oh, let me go back to my list here because I wasn't expecting you to call on me like that. Oh my gosh, I feel so like call welcome. Call on me. Uh, GameStop said that this was <clears> the <throat> strongest console launch in years, and they did not specify what years meant. <laughs> but that is good news. Yeah. 
They said, and I actually read the quote to you, stores across the country last night were packed with customers who couldn't wait to get their hands on the brand new Nintendo Switch. We even had customers lined, uh, lining up as early as yesterday morning so they could be one of the lucky ones to score one of the additional units for our walk-in customers. This is one of the strongest and most successful gaming console launches for GameStop in the last several years. For those fans who are looking for the Nintendo Switch, don't worry, we're getting more, and we're pretty sure there will be a lot of gaming fans who pulled all-nighters last night playing their new Switch, and who also called in work, uh, into uh, sick work today with Gamefluenza, just to stay home and play even more. Gamefluenza. Uh, yes, I think that that it was definitely a very successful launch. I, being on Reddit and stuff, and just seeing people talking about there, everywhere was swamped. And there's also just on Reddit all these posts of target just got some you got to go to target yeah or so it, there's definitely a heavy 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 amount of interest in this there is also a a retailer i believe in the uk i think it's called game or something like that oh yeah yeah it's just game yeah just game and they said that this was uh had a bigger uh more pre-orders than the ps4 sold in the first uh in the first uh, date or something like dang that. so that's a really, really positive, good thing for Nintendo. Yeah. Because ultimately, to your point of the developers only developing for docked mode because the power is there, if there's this much interest in the Switch as this take-with-you console that you can also play at home, developers will recognize that and make games for that because there's money in that because there's a lot of them out there. Yeah. So if this thing sells well, that won't be a problem. But if it doesn't sell well, then yeah, I think that docked mode issue will absolutely be a problem. I don't know. I think if it doesn't sell well, then people will be like, I don't even care about the powerful dock mode because no one's going to play it. Well, then Nintendo's will incentivize developers just to treat it like a Nintendo regular console and like do the pro dock thing. They might just bundle with switches going in the future or something like that. Like who knows what they could do. Yeah. So, but I think that this selling well means that we'll hopefully developers will adhere to the concept of the switch. Great news though. And yeah, best selling console launch in years, which means that, it has sold better than the PlayStation 4 Pro did at launch. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. <laughs> Actually, this that's not a bad sign. Middleman interstitial Now, launch. do they count the PlayStation VR? I'm sure. They only had like 300,000 available at launch. That's true. Like, they literally can't sell. Like, they can't make it. 300,000 I don't think would be terrible, though, if they didn't for uh, an opening weekend. I, I have a feel. I something in my brain says PlayStation Four sold one million it did. consoles on its first weekend or first first day, first day. Like yeah, first day. Which means that obviously the Switch just outsold that according to your story. Yes, hot, too hot. I'm to saying though, even three hundred thousand <clears throat> wouldn't be bad. Is what I'm saying. But yeah, yeah, I think they went over a million. I think they honestly hit two million because based on woman's intuition. <laughs> <laughs> no, based on their um just supply chain rumors of how many they were making and if they sold out completely and the rumor mills that there was two million of these things being made yeah yeah uh great my last story that i'm going to go into uh is a bit of a downer and it is that currently save data on nintendo switch cannot be migrated from the switch itself uh so that means that I enjoyed my time on your Switch today playing Zelda for a couple of hours. And if I said, dang, you know what? This daggone portable gaming machine is really great. I'm going to go buy my own and just move my save file over. There currently is not a way to do that. Yes. 
Now, this is obviously something that could be fixed pretty easily, I assume, with a software up. Yeah, it's literally just a file sitting on the Switch you can do right. anything with. Because there are so many other things that you could, like, you could move other information, like the game itself, to a memory card or something like mm-hmm. that. I assume save data you could do very similarly. Uh, so, yeah, it's just a little bit of a bummer that right off the bat, there's no way to do that. It is, I guess, but I don't know who would be using that this early on. I guess unless your Switch broke. I think there's a a great example. Like, legitimately, if I wanted to go buy a Switch, I would have to replay all of that stuff. I couldn't use it. Or, if, mm-hmm. yeah, if your Switch breaks or you play yeah. and you get a dud that's one of the first ones out. I think we're forgetting, though, good luck getting a Switch right exactly. now. Exactly. Switch is in short supply. Screw Switch. <laughs> Terrible console. Terrible console. Can't zero out of get. ten. Yeah. Can't even play the game, therefore it's a zero. Some people do have multiple consoles. So I guess like a cross save would have been nice, but yeah. I think that's a very small niche right now. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Like, what if you get a Switch for each of your kids? And then you're like playing one of them on the TV, and then you're like, man, I really love the progress I just made in Mario Kart. I want to take that over with me to my Switch and not my brother's Switch. Darn, you're out of luck. Dodge Ram it. All right, Holden, let's wrap up with whatever Nintendo stories you have left, and then let's get on into our Switch impressions. My last Nintendo story is actually Zelda-related, so Ooh. I might just okay. Let's, let's just it. talk about that Switch later. impressions, Switch impressions. You guys remember Sock and Boppers? You can hit your oh friends and your family members without getting in trouble because it's, it's a more fun than a... Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, Switch impressions. Holden, you've been playing it for 72 hours straight. Tell me about it. I'm going to return it tomorrow. It's a waste of money. I think you're a liar. Tell me about it for real. <laughs> it is... Uh, this is my first console launch that I've gotten a system at launch for. Really? Yeah. Like a home console. It's got the Vita at launch. I don't really That's count surprising that as much. to me. I thought... I didn't play a lot of video games growing up. Like, I had, like, my co- my game that, like, my mom would get me for Christmas eventually. I guess, occasionally, yeah, you did but, get yeah. a PS4. I can, yeah, but PS4 was... Just. But so the Switch is... This is really exciting for me for that reason alone. Yeah. And it really... It, it lives up to it for me. I think one of the coolest moments was I was... I was playing Zelda, and I'm like, oh, I should start thinking about going to bed, but I don't want to stop playing. Don't I'm like, do I don't have to stop playing. I can just bring my Switch in bed with me and then go to bed whenever I just fall asleep. Great little moment right there. Or we went to Chipotle today, <laughs> and we're playing Snipper Clips and Zelda in the Chipotle, which is really nerdy and dorky. <laughs> but fuck, fuck, it was fun. Yeah. It was fun. It was really kind of cool. played it on the train. I played it on the train. He with... made Zelda soup on the train. I did. I was just cooking ingredients for my next adventure in Zelda. Including toenails. I did. I threw some toenails in there to make dubious fruit uh, food, which we will talk about later on. Uh... I don't have a lot of really big complaints about this. I mean, there are some things. They're like, there's the, uh, there's not a whole lot of games right now. That's okay because I'm just playing Zelda. Right. I, I, I'm actually glad there's not a lot of games right now that would take me away from Zelda. Like, I'm, I'm glad I can just play Zelda on this. But overall, in the system, it feels fantastic in your hand. It feels so good in portable mode. Yeah. Just carrying it around. I mean, <clears throat> Chad was saying it it was feeling pretty premium yeah i agree especially in handheld mode when you have it the can the joy cons docked on the side of it it feels like a premium product it's got a nice weight to it the build quality is really great i love the metal on the the device itself and then the plastic is still like a high quality plastic and on the controllers it gets a lot of comparisons to the vita in the sense that it's like the the powerful uh, handheld console yeah. just overtakes it people have kind of called this like vita 2 almost 
And I think it does things better than the Vita. The screen I actually like more than the Vita screen. Yeah. Just because it's a little bit bigger, which is which is nice. But also the Vita only had L and R. They didn't have uh, oh, R one yeah, or two. This is this is both. So I feel like this is a much more full featured from a control standpoint. Yeah. But you got the motion controls built into it, which is they work fantastic. Those Joy Cons are awesome. Yeah. I like the Joy Cons a lot. Yeah, they are – so the Joy-Cons, you can use them kind of separately for multiplayer things. And then they have those little slidey – like, uh, they don't really provide any function other than making the controllers more comfortable. But things that you slide onto the end of the controller when they're not docked. Oh, it also makes the buttons the on top. So, like, when you when you hold that, the Joy-Con, like, uh, like, just the left Joy-Con on its yeah, own. Yeah, it just makes those more accessible. There are other buttons on the on the top as well that are easier to hit. Right. You technically can hit those buttons without it on there. Yeah, yeah. but they're much easier to hit with, with those yeah. on. So those uh, definitely make it more comfortable to hold as a two-player. Like, it takes some getting used to, especially, and they they feel different. The left one holding it, it's going to feel different than the right one just because of the placement of the buttons and yep. the joystick. But, yeah, I found it seriously, like, super comfortable. I could see myself playing for hours with it. It is also it's just, it's super satisfying to take those Joy-Cons on and off. I'm going to hear if you guys can hear the snap. Oh my gosh, that's so nerdy. So nerdy. It's this is so satisfying. Okay, okay. So when you snap it in, it just. Just a little, great little To be clear, snap. he made that a lot more exaggerated than it normally is. Yeah, it's just like... so he could do that. Oh, there we go. Yes. Oh. Do it one more time. One more time. Oh, God. It's so satisfying to do. I hope you guys are into ASMR. <laughs> Because we're just going to spend the next 30 minutes just doing switch clicks. <laughs> switch click. Oh, do the right Joy-Con. Do the right Joy-Con. Do it. Do it. Oh, God. That literally does make me feel good, though, when I hear that noise. Right? <laughs> it's so satisfying. So the, one of the, my favorite moments of learning a Switch Oh, you just slid a click in without even putting in the microphone. Okay. <sighs> Sorry we cheated you guys out of that. that it's, we'll, we'll, later on. We'll, we'll do one later on. Yeah. Just, just hold, hold back, guys. Okay. So, tell me more about uh, what are some other methods? How do you find them? Your review of like Joy-Con grip. Yeah. So, I actually enjoyed the Joy-Con grip. I purposely did not get a Pro controller yet because okay. I wanted to give the Joy-Con grip a chance. It 100% works as a controller to the point where I don't feel the need to buy a Pro controller. Yeah, I feel it's it's definitely a capable control method. 100% capable. You could use it to control everything, and it yep. feels like a controller. Uh, it doesn't really hold up to like the the comfort and ergonomics of an Xbox One or uh, a DualShock 4 controller. It's not supposed to, though. But, it's yeah. supposed to be versatile. Yeah. It kind of like, if you ever bought like a third-party controller for a PC or something like that, that's kind of what you... All the buttons are there, and it feels pretty good in your hands. You can totally make it work for what you need to do with it. So, one thing that's a little weird about it, though, is that, and I've heard of this elsewhere, is that your hands kind of hit the back of the Joy-Cons as opposed to wrapping around the grip of the controller. Oh, okay. Whereas, like, a PS4, the little, like, like little uh, handles for your hand there. Yeah. Doesn't It has one for the Joy-Con, but it's being obscured by the square face of the controller. Yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. So, 
when you slide the Joy-Cons in because yeah. they're really tall, right? And what does your that sound fingers, like again? <laughs> <laughs> your fingers hit the back of them when you're playing. They can't wrap around the handle of the controller all the way. Okay. Like the grip of the controller all the way. So it kinda it kinda hits the back and it's kinda odd sometimes when you're playing and you want to kind of get a tighter grip and you just hit the back of the joy of the Joy-Con grip. Okay. The only bad side about the Joy-Con grip is that there's a charging version of it you can buy. Yes. But that doesn't come in the box. Nope. You get a non-charging version. Luckily, the batteries last a good, like, 20 hours, apparently, on the Joy-Cons. Yeah, I think that's right, right? It's not been an issue so far. Okay. And they charge whenever it's in the dock. I've probably been playing 24 hours straight. (laughs) Do they charge in handheld mode from the... They do. They do. So um, So they they... draw life from the Switch itself. Oh, in portable portable mode. No, not in portable mode. In... Actually, no, they do, yeah, because I was playing in portable mode uh, with Zelda, and then when I docked it back to play on the TV again, they were just charged Although up. I guess if there's they a direct connection, there's no reason for them to be using battery power anyway. Yeah. Cool. Anything else you want to say about the hardware of the Switch? What about docking it? Does that feel really good? I know you just love sliding it in that dock. That big slippery dock. Every part of it is satisfying on a hardware perspective, like moving the parts around. It feels like it's like that uh, scene in a movie where the guy's taking apart a gun and it's like click, click, click. (laughs) You know, that's actually, that's kind of exactly what it's like. It's like every piece slides and fits so perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, It's really well engineered. Yeah. It's easily one of my favorite Nintendo consoles in the sense that the way it feels, the aesthetic of the console, uh, the satisfaction of of playing with it. Yeah. Not like a game with it, but playing with it itself. <laughs> like, I, I just sat there before I turned it on for the first time and just, like, slid joy cons in and out. <laughs> Holden, all the kids are talking about how much battery life is like, oh, my God, it's only, like, three hours and I'm a little bitch. Tell me about it. Battery life, go. It only gets three hours. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's totally enough, though. It is totally enough. I have not been in a scenario where it's been a problem Mostly because I've been at home, but I, I can't imagine a, a day where I'm commuting back and forth to work. I'm playing this on my lunch. That's about three hours. Also, like, everyone played Pokemon Go a year ago. You still have those battery packs around, and those can charge this thing. No, they can't. A lot of them can. No, they cannot. No? No, they can't. So the, the uh, switch drains faster than those things can charge the device. So it will just, if anything, slow down the drain. Well, there you go. It'll slow it down from draining. <laughs> so you'll Razor get a good six has, hours. Razor, the company who makes the Razor Blade, the uh, gaming laptops, yeah. they have a a larger battery pack so coming get a out. a battery pack. That throw will charge it in this. your bag. I mean, you're not going to be able to put this thing in your pocket, so you're going to have to carry on a bag anyway. Just throw the battery in your bag as well. I Stop think being a little bitch. The real test of the battery life is going to be later on in the month I'm flying to Texas, which is about a three-hour flight. Yeah. And we'll you got three hours playing Zelda. And not just playing not, in a huge but, open yeah, world awesome Zelda. Not game. just like a handheld version of Zelda where yeah. it's top down, graphics are like crummy. This is the console game you're playing at home. Yeah. I mean, apart from talking about Zelda, but like I've always wanted a Zelda game to be a real Zelda game on the handheld. That's kind of always been my dream. Every time I play the the 2D ones, I'm like, oh, this is really cool. I kind of want a 3D world to explore right now because that's where I started. Yeah. Even though I love the 2D games, there's nothing wrong with them, but I've always kind of wanted that full experience on the go. I literally have the same game I'm playing with me on the go. The same Zelda game. Yep. 
It's fantastic. They're just a few less peas, but nobody gives a shit because the screen is a beautiful six inches long, like a average white penis. But I guess uh, in terms of the battery, so I guess to talk about that for a little bit, the a little bit more. We went to Chipotle today to um, just to, to legitimately eat food. We weren't going just to play the Switch. <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't want anything. We just want to. We just want to play over here. Is that okay? We just hang over here. Yep. We I don't know. We were there how long? Like half hour. Yeah, minutes? about a half hour. It drained a good twenty percent in that time playing Snipper Clips. Yeah, we were playing Snipper Clips. Great game. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Great game. concept. Great concept. I've enjoyed my time with that. The little time I've had with that. Yeah, <laughs> Zelda's been taking up the majority of it. So I think that's not t- too bad if you consider that game was not a super high fidelity game. Twenty mm-hmm. percent in a half hour is not awesome if you were comparing it to an iPad or uh, like a, a tablet or something like that. Yeah. Or even like a computer or then a again, smartphone. Though, it, play an intensive not... game on an iPad, you're going to get the same battery life. And you probably aren't playing games as intensive as they exactly, are on the Switch. Yeah. <clears throat> if you look at any open world game on a, on a smartphone or on a, any sort of smart tablet device, it is not nearly the fidelity. It is some like hacked together thing. Right. And it always looks crummy. Remember, um, what was it, like Aerolon or something like that? It was like Skyrim on your phone. And it was not Skyrim that. on your phone. <laughs> it was just not. There's just no way it was. But this does have the feeling. So although, yeah, the battery life is not great compared to, say, a 3DS, it is, considering the fidelity of the games you're playing, it's fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I concur on all of those fronts. So what do you think, kind of holding the Joy-Con, playing in handheld mode? I think my favorite version is handheld mode. If I had a favorite way of playing it, you know, like on a TV, whether it's the two separated Joy-Cons or the Joy-Con grip, uh, I really like having those kind of both in separate hands just down by my side. Totally. I really love the motion control that's built into it for, like, aiming in Zelda with your bow. or Yeah, it's like you can use a joystick to do drastic movements and then fine-tune with the motion control, which works. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Is very smart. If you ever played like Killzone Mercenary or Uncharted on a PlayStation Vita, uh, it's a very similar kind of process. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, feels really great. There's a kickstand on it that holds it up, despite what CNET.com says. Just remember, guys, you have to put it on a hard surface. <laughs> CNET points out it won't work on pillows. Also, just don't fuck with it while it's on the table. Oh on the video. Okay, so there's this video on CNET.com. All about how the Switch can't stand up with the kickstand, and it's awful. But literally, the guy's, like, freaking out with some kind of palsy on it and knocking it over and throwing it. And it's like, oh, I can't get it to stand up. There's literally Whoa. a point where he's like, trying to pull the Joy-Cons out, and he just can't do it. It's so frustrating. And he, he tells it to stay. He holds his hands up. be like, stay. Don't move now because I'm touching you. Pulls out the Joy-Cons and then immediately knocks the Joy-Con into the screen of the Switch, and it's like, and it falls over. Duh. Well, yeah, if you hit it with something, it will fall over, like anything. Yep. Oh, that so video yeah, no really annoys kicks me. In. Kickstand's great. The kickstand's awesome. And again, this is considered a fault, but I think this is is smart. The kickstand comes off. Yeah. So it doesn't really break, because if it breaks off, you just snap it right back in again. Yep. Which is probably why it doesn't feel as premium as, say, a Surface in that kickstand. But again, this also is not a $600 tablet. So, Holden, we've talked a lot about hardware. Uh, from like a user interface experience, like the, the console on the software front, what do you think of it? It's very simple, very straightforward, but I think yeah. that's why it's my, my favorite Nintendo OS so far. 
Yeah. Where it's just like, here are your games, play the game. The settings are down here if you need to go to them, but everything's very clean, very simple. Uh, there's It's fast. It's really fast. If you guys have a 3DS, I know it's it's a slow user interface. You want to go to the, the eShop, you're waiting forever and ever and ever. If you want to go to settings, you're waiting forever and ever and ever. This just kind of snaps in place. It's very quick. Also, there is a capture button. So you can capture screenshots capture. of games. And that's not the capture button to like say, yes, I am not a robot on a website. Yes, capture, the capture. Like screen capture. Yeah, capture. Uh, this is the one part where I feel that the Nintendo Switch is a little bit premature and where I feel like it's a, it is kind of like a beta of the Nintendo Switch for all of the early adopters. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is simple, which I love, and it's all about just like here are the I games like you it. have. Um, but there are just like some features if they had waited a few weeks like four to six weeks they could have launched with a really really strong ui like the fact that we have friend codes and they're temporary kind of and used for some things and not others uh the fact that it launches without its kind of signature online service that it's going to have uh they let you know about it though when you make an account it's coming uh, yeah they're like it's coming um free trial the fact that it has no virtual console yet but it's coming very soon um, and I remember, I actually don't remember if the 3DS had virtual console at launch either. I think it had to, because you because the ambassador program. I mean, that was not too long after launch. The ambassador. No, program. that was like, like six months after now. launch. The ambassador program. Well, regardless, it doesn't have a virtual console on Switch. Every other home console they've released in the last couple generations has had virtual console on day one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the game saves thing that we talked about earlier, and then I know this isn't important to some to some people, but like. There are some people out there that would love to have Netflix and Hulu and things like that on these things. I completely disagree with you. I think the Netflix and Hulu thing is – the the need for that is absolutely ridiculous, borderline stupid. Well, we use our game consoles as, as people like our PS4. It's how uh, most people watch HBO or Netflix and things like that through their game console. So if Nintendo wants this to be something that, like, this could possibly be somebody's only console in their home... But I get that. But for launch, I don't think that's necessary. Well, it's it's a game console, and that's what we come to expect from our game consoles since 2007, 2006, when the Xbox 360 launched. Like, these things are now a part of gaming consoles. But from the portable side, right, you take that, that Netflix app, and then you're in the... On the, in the airport, I want to watch the Netflix. No, you can't. It doesn't have a cellular connection. Well, You're going to use your phone if you where, want, if you like, want you to. Still, now that Netflix allows you to download things, it's just it would Some just things. be really nice to be able to be like, I'm playing a little bit of Zelda. Oh, man, okay. I'm kind of getting bored of playing this game. I'm going to take a break for a little bit. Let me just switch my app and watch a little bit of House of Cards. Whereas, rather than, oh, I have to bring out the second device so now. Let me, let me, let me play this out for you because like I, I see where you're coming from, but I'm going to go back to the whole battery life thing. Yeah. It's not super great. I'm going to want to save that battery for Zelda, not so I can watch House of Cards because I'm going to House of Cards. I'll go to my phone's battery for that. Sure. Yeah. For you, it might not be the right solution. But I think – but who would be – I just don't know the person who doesn't have a smartphone nowadays. You know what I mean? There's well, – For for the the kids to be able to watch their cartoons the kids, and things like the that. The kids are going to grab their mom's phone. Mom's not going to have all of the, Mom doesn't want to have all of these on their phone. You have so no, many I, but, parents okay, who are so, like, I want to buy my kids these devices so that I've, I don't I've, have to give them my, my phone anymore. My brothers are 10 and 4 years old from personal experience. Yeah. The, the parents will say, yeah, I don't want this, this stuff yeah. on my phone, but I'd rather not listen to my kid complain about not having this stuff on my phone. 
So we'll just put that stuff on my phone. Right. But if they had their own device with that stuff on it, they wouldn't have to go for mom's phone. I guess what I'm pointing out is that I don't see where, from a Nintendo's perspective, right. where the haste is on this. It'll I come, just think that it's but now, it doesn't need to come a, right now. It's a feature that like every single thing you have with the screen has this on it. Why doesn't the Nintendo Switch have it? So because we were talking about this earlier that we feel like the, and I agree that the Switch felt like it was it was launched early. It was yeah. as early as possible and as late as Zelda could be released yeah. is what as how I like to think about it. So yeah, I'm sure that Zelda's launch probably had a lot to do with this coming out earlier. So they kind of had to ask themselves, okay, what's really important? What we want to make sure this is a good experience for people. What we where, where are we going to put the time into? Exactly, and the money so into. And, saying, and, and and I feel what like what can we do to rush it out the door? What do we need to get done first? And that's why I feel like like they got everything that's essential and bare bones out there, but it's missing so many things that we've come to expect from the thing with the screen now. But also, it works because. And I think there's a fear in Nintendo's end where they said they really had to get this launch right because the Wii U launch was confusing. Yeah. And there's too much happening. This was a very simple message. You play your games at home and on the go. And that's all they need. That's all they wanted to think about. And we will hear about the rest later on. I'm sh- I, I have no fear that this stuff isn't there. So I think as a criticism of the system, I don't see it. As a criticism of the launch, yes. Yeah. But not of the system. Yeah, I just feel like it's something that we expect and is commonplace, and I feel like it's missing. I'm not missing it. I have an I iPhone, know you're not I have an iPad, have I have an Apple devices, TV, I have not a everybody PS4. Has a thousand devices. No, I am everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, it's something that we expect now, and it's not there. But that, along with friend codes, the online service, virtual console, the and friend codes is a much bigger like, deal. Yeah. That's a much bigger deal, I think, because that's, that's just where I feel it's half-baked. That's, that's ridiculous. I'm not worried about... They're not being Netflix and Hulu. It'll come. Right. And you know what? It's like, yeah, this is a launch, and and these casual people aren't going to have their hands on it anyway because it's not even out yet. And probably by the time people are like, oh, my kid wants this, and he's talking about it at school. I'm going to get it for him in two months for his birthday. By then, it might even be out, so it might even be a non-issue. But, yeah, I think it's worth mentioning that, yeah, these are some flaws that are there right off the bat. Some things that if they had waited a couple weeks, maybe they could have had it all and launched incredibly strong with all of these features. Yeah. So know. that's my review of the UI software side of it. I like the, the OS. Yeah. I like it. One thing I like a lot that I think is pretty unique to Nintendo in this case is that when you start to play a game, it then asks you, oh, what user do you want to play this I game on? I like that on? a lot. That's really good. But Not rather than it matters, though. Well, because on my PlayStation, it'll be like, oh, I want to play this game right now. Oh, you need to log out of your user and switch to the other user. This makes more sense. Well, on the PlayStation, it's used for getting trophies and for save data, so you can take that yeah. with you in other places. But that, which that could be true on the Switch. But that I don't see that as a case to why this is. No, I agree. Here. I like yeah. the feature itself. I like saying, "Oh, I choose the game, and then I decide who's playing it." Yeah. I like that. Rather it does. I a profile I have to log in and out of. It does change the nature of kind of how some of these games work, though, because. Zelda doesn't have. I guess we're gonna start moving over to Zelda now. But like, Zelda doesn't have the traditional three slots. Yeah, it is your user is your game, and that is your game. That is it. There's no additional slots at all. So now you have to make like Folden and Bolden for your other slots. I actually have users. I have my uh, my male um, character, my female character, which is Holdina. (laughs) Holdina. You and your gender normative naming prospects. (laughs) Holdina. Why can't her name be Holdener? Or Holdeno. Holdeno. (laughs) Holdeniro. Holder Robert De Niro. Oh, right. Let's transition to Zelda. Yeah. So I guess Switch, we both like it. 
but yeah. we know it's going to get better. Yeah. But it's great right now. Yeah, definitely worth it if you bought it. The potential is there. But Zelda. Zelda. Can I just say, this is... So if you bought the Nintendo Switch, you didn't buy the Nintendo Switch, you bought Zelda. Yeah, basically, you bought Zelda. I already had a Wii U, and I still wanted to get it for the <laughs> Switch. This is... The best Zelda game. This is also, I think, probably the best launch game ever released. Oh, you think it beats Mario 64? Yeah. What do you mean by launch game? Like, it happens to be the best game that's out first on launch, or it is the best at showcasing what's new about this system and this experience? Good qualification question. I like that. Uh, Best just quality game at launch. Okay. Not like best. It doesn't really utilize anything on the Switch other than it's Zelda you can take on the go. Okay. But it is it is really spectacular. I've been playing this game. This is where I'm going to get super passionate and really like just go for excited. It. I've been I'm playing gonna this sit game. here and play the Switch while you talk. <laughs> no, <laughs> I've been playing it probably 20 hours. Like something insane. Uh, I've not stopped playing this game. It. I guess the best way to put it is that. The 2D games had a sense of exploration to them where it was less of someone poking you and telling you you need to go to that mountain because that's something cool in that mountain for you. More of a, okay, I know I've looked in this side of the world already and I didn't find anything over there that was pertaining to my quest. But I did find these cool things, but let's see if I can find like the Master Sword up in the top left-hand corner of the map. And you kind of just ventured over there to see what's going to happen. That hasn't happened in the 3D games before. And it is absolutely the case of this game. I just, I, I think I've been playing for 20 hours and I've only done two dungeons. A, because I, I wanted to rush to get to a dungeon to show you the dungeon. I wanted to make sure to do that. I wasn't just going to explore mountain sides with you. <laughs> even though that's what I've been as doing most of the time. As beautiful as they were. And you didn't even get to the actual, like, so uh, Chad played the Great Plateau, which is the kind of tutorial section of the game, which is a very hold clever on, hold tutorial. On. Uh, are we doing spoilers or no spoilers? Uh, I'd say we're just doing spoilers. Okay, so I've... this is a spoiler discussion. Yeah. If you don't want Zelda spoilers, first of all, surprise Zelda's captured Ganon Hazard. I also haven't beat the game. Yeah. So I don't really know how many spoilers spoilers are going to be for story stuff. But I think mostly just going to be talking about like, the mechanics and kind of what I've found thus far, okay. what you found okay. thus far. Um. Where was I before you interrupted uh, me? You talked about me playing in the Great Plateau and not even yeah. seeing things. Oh, yeah. So, like, I've, I've just been getting sidetracked. And I'll be like, oh, I uh, the, the the king has told me that I need to go find Impa in Kakariko Village. So I start heading that direction. It's like, ooh, there's a tower, and I want to climb that tower. And you get to the tower, and, and you see a shrine out in the distance. And you're like, oh, I can paraglide out to that shrine, and I can do a puzzle right now. I'm going to go do that puzzle right now. And then you get down there, and... You realize the the this is one of my favorite shrines actually. You it's surrounded by flowers, and if you step on the flowers, this woman yells at you and says, "No, you cannot step on those flowers. Those are living things. Don't you hurt the flowers? I worked <laughs> hard on those." And you have to go through a maze of these flowers to get to the shrine, even though the shrine's right there. Nice. And there's just it, all these like little kind of cool like little moments like that happen. We're like, "Oh, I'm gonna go there," and then something happens when you when you get there, or you just find uh, a little camp of of monsters and you want the treasure that they're holding. So you just find a way to either sneak to, to kill them, wait till night so you can just kind of quietly take them all out, or you realize there's some barrels by them that have the death, death like the skull and crossbones, which yep. means it's explosive. So you're going to fire some bomb arrows and just watch their base blow up. It's 
outrageously fun. It's there's a sense of of adventure that I haven't had in a Zelda game in a while, in the sense that I look out somewhere and I say, I want to go over there. And now I have to figure out how I have to get there. Whether that's, am I just going to climb over mountains until I get there? Am I going to go around the mountain to get over to that location? Or as I'm crossing this mountain, maybe it's too cold. So I have to either bundle up and find clothing that's too warm. But in my case, I didn't have that clothing. So I had to make some food that was spicy that would that had cold resistance. That's so how I that could, works. Science, by the way. It is totally how that works. Yep. Or I could have also carried a torch with me. But if I carry the torch, I can't fight, fight enemies. So there's all these kind of different ways you can approach it, and you're just kind of creating your own adventure as you go along. And there's just a wonder to it. And and I want to hear what you have to say, but I'll, I have to... Because you've only done the Great Plateau, you've missed out on so much. Of, yeah, tell me all about it. Of what's going on there. No, I actually want to hear what you have to say first, and then we'll jump back no, in. No, I think it's a visually very impressive Zelda game. Uh, the character models look fantastic. The environments, like the how open and vast this world is, looks great. The actual like textures of the mountains and things like that are absolutely acceptable. Yeah, there's no point where I'm like, ooh, this looks bad, which has happened in past Zelda games where the yeah. art direction has completely saved it. But being HD now, it looks better. It does not look like Horizon Zero Dawn, which we'll get to. Right. Later on, but it looked really I thought it looked good. Yeah, it's fantastic, perfectly capable. It's it's a Nintendo. Uh it's it's it definitely has the love and care and polish of a Nintendo game and it looks like it. Everything feels like it was handcrafted. And yeah. it was. Every little thing that you come across feels special in some yep. way. I love the weapon system, like the the degrading weapons and just finding all sorts of new different types of stuff that that attacks differently or has different properties to it. I, I love that system. I didn't think I would, but I do. I completely agree. I was really worried about finding a cool sword and then be like, oh, no, I have to hold on this forever because this is, like, the good sword I have. But you just constantly are finding new items. And it also encourages you to want to approach enemies because you're like, oh, I, I need to take their sword. And I think that's an example for me of... They've, they've seemed to have looked at all their past Zelda games and kind of took the best bits from all of them. So, like, in Wind Waker, you could take enemy weapons, but then you couldn't leave the room that you were in with that weapon. Ah, uh, yeah. This, it's, oh, I stole that enemy weapon, and I killed him with it, and now I'm leaving. Really cool moments it kind of builds up to. Yeah. So, there's, there's the, the weapon system is really great. We're going to talk about the Master Sword. The Master Sword is also <laughs> destructible, but like only in certain situations. And also becomes more powerful in certain situations as well. Yeah, so you start off like it's like 30 is, is your it's like thirty attack, which yeah. is pretty high up there still. Like the most powerful sword, I've, like just handheld sword I found at that point was like 26 or something like that. But you can get battle axes and great swords, which go to like 40 or 60. So you get some really powerful stuff. I think 60 is the max, though, because when the Master Sword is at its most powerful state from what I've seen, it was at 60. Yeah. And it glows like a lightsaber, too. When it you're, does. So, like, just like sting. So what happens is when you're, when you're close to an, an enemy that is like a guardian or something really powerful and has the uh, – has been taken over by Ganon in some way or possessed by Ganon, then you your sword will like light up. And you won't. It, then it's indestructible. Is what it seems like right now, though. But I have yeah. broken it because I decided to use my master sword <laughs> when I wasn't supposed to, and it broke. And then, 
actually right before we did the podcast I was playing some more and I got this note that just said Master Sword recovered. Nice. So it will regenerate. Recover that sword. I I have to say though the the best part about this game uh, are the shrines, which you got to do a few of them. Yeah, they're, they're basically little kind of small tiny puzzle yeah, rooms, little bite-sized puzzles all over it. So I was initially concerned when I heard there were only four dungeons in the game. These games typically have had at least eight, I would say, with Wind Waker and Majora's Mask being exceptions to that. I don't remember how many were in Skyward Sword, but I, I believe it was more than Wind Waker. I, the shrines fill that in completely. There's so many shrines, there are now more puzzles than, than there's ever been in a Zelda game before. And, it, and again, it encourages you to kind of keep exploring, because you look out the distance and see the orange glow of a shrine. So you're like, I'm going there. Like yeah. We're heading there right now. And you get there, and there's this cool little puzzle. But not all of them are puzzles, which is cool. So some of them you go into, and there's a big enemy you got to fight. Awesome. Or um, one of my favorite shrines I've found so far is, I won't say where it is, but there is this giant maze, and you see it in the distance, and it's something that you can't get to by walking. You can only paraglide to this. And paraglide! You, you paraglide in, and there it's just this huge, gigantic maze you have to navigate, and there are guardians in there. So, like, you're kind of going through the maze, and then you're like, oh, crap, there's a guardian. Guardians are these incredibly powerful enemies. They will take you out in one hit every time. And you have to, like, evade them while also figuring out how to navigate through this maze. And I got lost a lot of times. But there's so <laughs> many great items and stuff that I had found in there. And then you get to the, the end of the, the shrine and you just get, like, your spirit orb as, like, as a reward. It's, like, in the middle of the maze. And it was so cool. So some of them are you have to figure out this obstacle in the real world. And then when you get in the shrine, it's just like, oh, by coming here, you have proven that you are worthy. Here is your spirit orb. Some of them you go in and it's just a puzzle. So that they, they differ. Yeah, I think that's a great solution to... Uh, some people were mentioning that, oh man, there's only four dungeons in the game. But no, these shrines are like... They're mini dungeons. They're, they're definitely there to get you your puzzle or your difficulty fix. And the dungeons themselves, which you got the chance to see one. Yeah, I, I see played one. two. Are, are, I think, unique in this game. It is not... A, like the temple you're going into or something like that like it, in this in the case the one that chad and i uh played together it was this lizard this mechanical lizard beast climbing up the side of of uh of death mountain and we had to attack it to weaken it to slow it down and then we would go inside of it and you're like rotating it around to like change the level to look it was super super cool yeah and the sense of scale of these like these giant, enormous things. They're like a camel or yeah. a lizard, and you are inside of it, and it is the dungeon. And then you are rotating the whole lizard over on its side in the middle of a volcano. In the camel one, it's just walking around the desert. So if you kind of go on the side of the camel, you're just like, oh, there's the Grudo town right there. <laughs> you just see it as you're walking by it. It's really, it's really special. Yeah. It's, those are some really cool moments. The boss that we fought together, I think, was easier than the one I fought before. Because the one I fought the first time in the camel, and maybe as long as I had five hearts, but it was like one hit death each time. Like, really difficult. I yeah. clearly was not supposed to be there yet. This one, I had leveled up a lot, so he would hit me and I still have a lot of hearts left. But he was also kind of easy once we figured out 
I had to beat him. We yes. had a hard time with that. Chad recommended something to me, and I disregarded it completely. <laughs> like, Maybe you should do this right off the bat. And he's like, no. It can't be that because of X, Y, and Z. And then yeah. I was an idiot, and that was ex- it. Chad nailed it. <laughs> yeah. About 10 minutes later and eating all of his food. You know what? Maybe we should try this. Yep. No, Actually, you brought game, it up again. The game said... Maybe he would like a snack. <laughs> yeah, he and says like, like he said blank snack or some of that. Like, oh yeah, there's that thing that Chad mentioned. So I don't want to go too much into Zelda because no, yeah, I, I haven't, I haven't, pl- I haven't finished it yet. My thoughts, I think, are kind of still developing. But so if you could boil down your impressions of this game to two sentences, what would it be? Um, I would say that it is best of both worlds between the 2D and 3D Zelda games. With the kind of action and combat that and sense of scale in the 3D games that was impressive, mm-hmm. coupled with the exploration and difficulty of the 2D games. Awesome. Do you like it? I absolutely love it. It is my... I can already tell you it's my favorite Zelda game. Awesome. And you have to do something really drastic to lose that. I just don't foresee it. Awesome. So that's Zelda Breath of the Wild played on Nintendo Switch. In both handheld and TV mode. So we have all the experiences. Um, And we are running kind of long. So let's jump into our last topic today. Talking about Horizon Zero Dawn on the Place Station Fior. That's Spanish for play spooshin. It will not be coming to the Nintendo Switch. (laughs) Not coming to the Nintendo Switch. Uh, So this is a game that I... Gosh, I wish I had more time to play it. Uh, I was... I have put six, about six hours into it now, and I've just gotten past the first kind of big story twist, which I freaking loved. And that's what I think sets this game apart. Like, it, okay, it is the the most gorgeous console game you've ever seen in your life. It is. It's stunning. Stunning. It really is. Uh, from the from the intro to just running around, like the Holden literally asked me, "Wait, so is this in game or is this a cinematic?" And I was like, "Honestly, I can't tell the difference, so I don't even know." I think that was in game from where yeah, I saw I'm that on. Sure I think that was in game. The it, it's weird because the I, this sounds so creepy, but it, the skin looks amazing. <laughs> I put There's, all the lotion on the skin, so now it looks so good again. It, it just you can tell it reflects light naturally, and it's it's super impressive. The yeah. character models themselves are top notch. Yeah, the combat feels so smooth and fun. There are so many different ways. Like, you can unlock so many different skills that make you do either slow motion or let you shoot from while you're on wires or by weapons that have giant trip wires or tie an enemy down. Like, the fact that you can play this game any way you want and it's so satisfying. I love it. It's so customizable, too, like you and your your play styles. Uh, And then the story, I thought, oh, this is a pretty cool story. And then I hit that first twist and see, like... So much dramatic irony in this thing that I'm just like, I can't wait to find out when they find out what I know. Or I can't wait to find out what's mm. happening next right after this thing. Oh, my gosh. It's so good. Um, so, yeah, I love the visuals of it. I can't stop looking at this freaking world. I love the the lore behind it all. Like, I'm so fascinated by uh, when this takes place and and all of these different tribes and their views on the metal world, as the Nora tribe calls it. Uh, and then how they interact and they use this world and these robots, these robot dinosaurs are just like the coolest freaking enemies in a game. And there are so many different types and, and like there's something like 30 different types of robot dinosaurs and they all behave completely differently. 
and so there are different weak spots, and you can do uh, you can shoot the canisters on their back, and they explode, and everyone in the area is lit on fire. Or you can shoot their weak spots, or you can trip them up and slide underneath of them. Oh my god, this cool sliding mechanic too. This never gets old. It's just <laughs> so yeah. I'm I'm gushing about this game, and this is like the one thing I have a PlayStation Four and I have a 1080p display, and I wish. This is the game that's making me wish, God, I wish I had a, a 4K OLED HDR TV and a PlayStation 4 Pro because this thing would just look even more stunning. So, yeah, I like it a lot, and I love that it's Gorilla Games and they're trying something new. I played it for, what, an hour? Oh, maybe like 30, 45 minutes. Wow, it felt like longer. Yeah. I guess it's, I, I, wanted, I, I was going to say good things. Tutorial. Yeah, the tutorials were always kind of slow for me. Yeah. It does play super smooth, though. Yeah. That is one thing, is that the combat, moment to moment, is super slick. And I I know I, know I need to get better at it, because I was not super great at that combat, but it's the shooting a bow and quickly dodging out of the way, or shooting an arrow and quickly dodging out of the way of this thing coming right at you. It just plays out really smoothly. Yeah. it's There's never... For games that look this good, I always worry about a frame rate drop or something like that, but... It was silky smooth the entire time. Yeah. Which kind of goes back to the whole, like, the combat, the combat. If this wasn't silky smooth like this, that's what I feel like makes this game for me. For the little I played of it. Like, that's what kind of was like, ooh, I want to go back for that. The story was also very intriguing. I didn't know as much about that that you did, but I was already asking, like, Chad, like, oh, like, why are they, like, outsiders? Like, uh, I was curious. Yeah. And video games don't usually do that for me. This, is this one world of those, is interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting, and it's I'm I can already tell I'm gonna have a conflict. Like, I spent six hours on something that you could probably do in about forty five minutes or an hour because I was like, oh, I want to explore this. I want oh, there's a whole herd over there. I'm gonna figure out a way to destroy all of them really quickly or mm-hmm. sneak up and take down each one silently. Oh, there's a, someone shouting on a mountain over there. I wonder what they want. I'm gonna go help them find their kid or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm gonna have this big kind of this cognitive dissonance between. I want to go and explore, or I can't wait to figure out what the hell is happening over here with with Aloy and her story and this whole tribe, and it's going to be so hard not not to... I'm going to want to play both ways, and I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm either going to be like, I want to explore everything, or I have to finish the story, and I think that's great that, I, that I'm so interested and intrigued by both ways of playing that mm-hmm. I'm going to have a great time spending a zillion hours the with this game. The exploring could lead to more story. Yes, it could. And I'm getting a lot of that story from these side quests and things like that. A lot more about the lore and the culture of these tribes and things like that, which is super interesting. But then it comes to plot points like what just happened in The Proving. And I'm just like, oh my god, I need to know what's next. To me, especially in open world games, I feel like the story always kind of falls flat. Because it's more about just kind of that, that exploring side. So Yeah, I think and it's always you... like, go to the top of this tower, see some dots, then go fix those dots. Totally. And I think we were talking about this a little bit earlier too. Where this kind of takes a lot of like what open world games do right, but your pull is the story. Yeah, like your pull is this is something you haven't seen before. There's that it's not a post apocalyptic game; it's a post post apocalyptic game. Where this is the coolest thing to me was that they talk about modern day humans as if it's this ancient race that has been gone for for a long time now. Like they call them what the metal ruins or the metal rooms, uh, the, the metal world, the metal yeah. world. Yeah. That yeah. is that was really intriguing to me. That was very cool. But you're so you're just getting to the, the opening 
Yeah, I'm, I just kind of got to the first plot twist, and I'm getting now finally into the big, vast open world. I finally now have permission to leave the embrace, as they call it, the kind of mm-hmm. safe lands from all of the corruption and things like that. Um, so, yeah, I'm very, very excited for what's in store with that game. Yeah, We'll have to continue talking about this for sure when whenever we do like a, the next podcast as you develop and go further. Definitely. So that's it for uh, this week on the Split Screen Gaming Podcast. We did a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, you can tune in next Monday and figure out what the heck we're going to be talking about then if we haven't killed ourselves over whether or not Netflix should be on the Switch. We got heated. We got heated, That's yeah. probably, we're going to kill our, each other. Uh, I already have my plan. I play a lot of Hitman. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> so next Monday, tune in again for our uh, next episode. Uh, again, I'm Chad Michael Ennis. That's Holden DePardo drinking some water over there. I am Holden DePardo, and Jeff Globloom will uh, be here the next podcast. Yeah, he'll have his Switch impressions with us a yeah. little bit later. Uh, please follow us on Twitter at SplitScreenGP, Instagram at SplitScreenGP, and Facebook at Facebook.com slash SplitScreenGamingPodcast. Email us at SplitScreenGamingPodcast at gmail.com if you have some cool feedback you want to give us, or if you think that we're just two sexy dudes who love to send you nudes. We won't send you nudes. I'm sorry I said that. Uh, but yeah, we'd love to hear your feedback. And also, I apologize for having two outros last week, and one of them that sounded like garbage, and then one of them <laughs> sounded great. We had some uh, battery issues with a microphone. Since been resolved. Yep. We put new batteries in it. We did. Nine volts. Does the trick every time. Very clever. Yeah. We'll see you next week, you sexy slucks.